Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Would you join me in praying as we come to the word this morning? Lord Jesus, those words we just sang are so true. It's because you live that we are alive. It's because you live that we are granted access to come boldly before the throne of grace, a place that we have done nothing to deserve, into a relationship that we do not deserve. But because you live, this has been gifted to us. Lord Jesus, we come now and we humbly ask that you would just make your presence known to us today. As David already shared, we believe that you are in this place. You say where two or three are gathered in your name, that you will be present. And Lord Jesus, I count more than three. You are here today. May we experience your presence. May we even now lay down the worries and concerns of this past week, the anxieties of the next week. And may we be present with you. Speak to us through your word. And Lord, as always, may I decrease and you increase this morning. May we meet with you and may we be different because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we come this morning, we're we're actually taking a break um, from the book of Mark. We've been marching through the book of Mark. We've in like a couple months, we've done four chapters, so it's been a great pace. Um, but we're taking a break because I want to deal with something that I'm just noticing um, in our church, in our community, certainly in my own life. Uh, and I sent out a video in the middle of this week that, that maybe some of you saw um, that Cheryl referenced just about hope. Uh, one thing that I'm experiencing, I'm battling in my own life, but especially the more people that I talk to in our church, in our community, I'm realizing a a lack of hope. 2020 has been a long year, yes? It's been the only year I can remember that took 10 years to get through. It it has so much struggle and anxiety and and loneliness. And as I talk to people, depression, depletion, people just running on fumes. And, And the thing that I keep hearing that I completely understand where it's coming from, but it's not helpful at all, is if we can just make it through 2020. Because magically, January 1st, everything will be better, right? We know the answer is no. We, we don't know how long this is going to go. Maybe we're a couple months before things coming back to some semblance of normalcy. Maybe it's longer. Point being, we don't know. And to just try to hunker down and wait this thing out is not very helpful. It's certainly not who we as believers are called to be and how we are called to live. I I stand here before you and I say, I am lonely in this time. I find myself quite often running on empty. The, The more, again, that I talk to people, even in our body, I keep hearing words like depression, anxiety, stress, loneliness, isolation, These are realities, in part, these are realities. Part of the the whole COVID restriction is we can't have big gatherings like we're used to, whether that's 
family gatherings, for holidays, whether that's having everyone at church that even wants to be here. There are those that are dying to be here with us, but it's not safe for them. And they're unable. And they feel dejected and isolated. There are those of us who come and we see people from a distance. And for some of you, that's as close as you ever wanted to get. And so you're killing it during 2020. For a lot of us, just seeing someone across the room and, and saying hi isn't enough. We, we're, we were wired for more than that. And so this is a time that just drains us. I'm one of the latter of those people. I need connection. I need conversation. I would, I've never considered myself a hugger before, but man, I miss being able to hug people. I, you know, now you do that thing where you see somebody and it's kind of the, oh, wait, where are you? Do we shake? Do we elbow bump? Do we just take steps back? Like, I don't know the rules. I don't know how this works. Everything is different. And in the midst of it, the thing that I keep hearing is that we feel cut off. We feel anxious, stressed, alone. And I think that God has more for us than that. In fact, I think that God has called us to more than that. It's not just an option. God has called us into more than that. And it's actually sin and destructive not to move into it. And I don't mean, when I say it's sin, I'm not trying to then heap on top and going, so if you're feeling anxious right now, Jesus is mad at you. It's not that kind of thing. God has called us into more, and it's, it's actually a little bit of rebellion to just sit and wallow. I know myself, and I'll just throw myself a big old pity party, and I'll start counting all the reasons why I'm, I'm justified to feel like I do. But all the while, God is continuously inviting me into more. And until I choose to follow him there, I'm holding him at arm's length. And that is a very dangerous position for us to be in. As followers of Christ, we have a good Father who is waiting to pour out every blessing on us. We find in Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, it starts like this, the first two verses. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I, I hear those, those verses and I go, poor in spirit, check. Mourn, check. Blessed. Oh, I don't feel like that. Inheriting the kingdom of heaven. Boy, that feels like a long way off. Comforted. Whew. I don't experience much comfort nowadays. But what God is calling us to is he says, actually, when you're in these low places, these grieving places, these poor in spirit, I just don't know that I have any more to give. He says, actually, that is the greatest opportunity for blessing that you can have. Because that is an opportunity for the Father to bring the kingdom of heaven into your life, for the Father to bring his comfort into your life, if we will only turn and receive it. But this is hard work. This doesn't come naturally. We will naturally move away from hope. We will naturally move to discouragement, to grumbling and complaining, to isolation. This is the natural way that we will gravitate. And God is calling us instead to pursue hope. 
And I'm using that word pursue there intentionally because it is work to pursue hope. It causes us to go against some of the natural. Again, the pity party, the woe is me. And to choose hope during these times. Let me define hope real quick. In the Greek, and I'm I'm not going to get into translating the Greek and all of that kind of stuff, but the word hope, when you read it in the New Testament, means expectation, trust, confidence. When we talk about hope, we're not using it like, like we do in our English ruins words for us. We say hope like, ooh, I hope this happens, and it just means like some wishful thinking. Wouldn't it be cool if that is not the kind of hope that God is calling us into. That is not the kind of hope that God waits to provide for us. I hope maybe someday it'd be cool if. But it's the ability to have confidence, expectation that this will happen, to be able to trust that this is waiting for me. Not a wishful thinking, but a confidence, a a, a standing on a solid foundation. I believe this is true. This is the kind of hope that God is calling us into. So we're going to read a lot of different verses today. I'm going to kind of build the case for why we have been called to hope. And next week, we're going to break down, okay, so how do we practically move in that direction? So it's kind of a two-parter. But every time you hear the word hope, again, if any part of you thinks wishful thinking, oh, I hope it happens, strike it. That is not what the word is talking about. It's talking about a confident expectation, a trust that this is going to happen in my life. Does that make sense, church? Because if we get those confused, we're going to be messed up going through this. These are things that God has promised and that we can stand firm on. We, we have a, um, one of our core values of this church is divine expectation and engagement. And here's how we define that. That we're to be a people motivated by and hungry for the presence of God and partnership with him in transformation. That we expect God to be God. That that his presence will be there when he says it will be there. That when we mourn, we'll be comforted. That when we're poor in spirit, that he is waiting to bless us during those times. We have this confidence that we can expect God to be God. God is good. God does what he promises. God is still working even now. God is not done. This is the hope of the believer. As dark as things get around us, as dire as my situation feels, as up and down as my emotions can go, good days, bad days, whatever it may be, in every moment, Do I trust, do I have confidence that God is still God and that he is a good father? That every promise he made, he will fulfill. This is the kind of hope that we're talking about. We as believers must recover our hope. In many ways, 2020 has siphoned it out and it's drained it from many of us. And we've just kind of let it happen because naturally, Again, we're going to move that direction. We must fight to recover our hope. We must pursue hope. Every follower of Jesus must pursue hope because hope has five profound effects on the life of a believer. It has more than five, but we're going to focus on five truly profound effects 
that hope has in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. The first is this, hope fuels our endurance. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says this, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to read a lot of passages today, and almost all of them were written to churches going through really dark times, through persecution, through martyrdom, through imprisonment, through being cut off from their families for the name of Jesus, going through harder times than most of us can imagine. And yet we find Paul writing to them, and this is him opening his letter and kind of patting them on the back and going, I've seen what you're doing. I've seen how you're living. Well done. I have seen your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You have chose to trust in him, to place your confidence and hope in him, and I have seen the endurance that it gives you. Endurance, again, in the Greek means long-suffering, ability to remain under. You have been in these difficult situations, and you have remained strong in them because of your hope in Jesus Christ. You weren't looking for the escape route or finding some shortcut or quitting and giving up. You were able to endure because of the hope you have that Jesus is who he says he is and that Jesus will do what he said he will do. And this gave the believers, again, in a worse darkness than any of us have probably lived through, it gave them the ability to endure and to move forward. Romans 5, 1 through 5 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. Let's stop there and just say amen, yes? We have peace with God through our faith. We have this grace that God has poured out in the life of a believer. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. God has given us hope through faith that will never disappoint us. And in fact, he says, look, even in the midst of your suffering, this hope is reviving in you perseverance that is building character, that in turn builds more hope, that gives you new levels of perseverance, that builds more character, that gives greater levels of hope. And it's this beautiful process that God is working. You were faithful. You held on to the hope given to you in the glory of God, and it produced perseverance, character, and more hope, greater perseverance, greater ability to endure, which leads to greater hope. And on and on it goes. But the foundational building block that we, that we can so easily miss is hope, trust, confidence. Because let me tell you, if you try to build endurance on your own, you will fail. Your strength will maybe last you a day or two if you're real good. And it will fail you. You do not have what it takes to endure 2020 and come out better for it on the other end. None of us do but the hope that he gives, the endurance that it produces in our lives, we have the ability not only to make it through 2020 and beyond, and this sounds crazy, this sounds like wishful thinking, but to thrive. 
to become even more the man or woman that God has created you to be because of your sufferings, because of the hope that it brings out and the perseverance, the endurance that that fuels. Let's do it. That's why I bring her. Everyone needs a Kim in their life, I'm telling you. Amen. So hope fuels our endurance. The second one, hope renews our strength. One of my favorite passages from Isaiah 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Israel's in a dark time. They're about to get sent into captivity. Judgment is coming on them and and things look bleak. But Isaiah comes to them and he's going, why are you saying the Lord's not seeing what's going on? My, My cause is disregarded by my God. He says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hope renews our strength. He's not saying, look, Israel, don't worry. You'll be fine eventually. Just tough it out. He says, those who place their hope in the Lord, even in the middle of a difficult time. Again, more than 2020 has fed to us. Israel was about to go through it at the time. And the prophet's encouragement to them was those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll find greater strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Jesus makes this promise in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you walk around on an average day, let's just take this month and go, yep, yoke feels pretty light today. Not me. And it's in those times that I have to realize my hope has shifted. I've put my hope in my own strength. I put my hope in maybe the circumstances will change. And that's a heavy burden to carry. When I instead turn to him and I go, God, I trust that even today, you're going to do the good things that you have promised that you're going to be present like you've promised, that you're going to provide the strength for today like you've promised, then my burden grows light. I find rest for my soul because it's not on me. God is going to do what God is going to do. I am simply following where he leads. There is great strength in that. God is good, and he will do what he promises. This renews our strength. Hope fuels our endurance. Hope renews our strength. Hope spurs us on. Hope moves us forward. Colossians 1, 4 to 5. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Hope was moving them forward to faith and love. Hope is like a seed planted that will bear fruit. 
True hope cannot remain dormant. You can't place your hope in Jesus and remain the same. You can't place your hope in Jesus and not experience endurance and strength, not be spurred on to greater faith and love. It will always work itself out in compassion, in love, in generosity. This is what hope does. It bears fruit. Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Amen? Anyone but Kim? Amen? Amen. I'm going to start that one over. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Guys, that is what our hope is in. Again, not that the circumstance is going to change and COVID is going to magically go away and everything's going to go back to normal. Our hope is that he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly, not moving to the right or to the left, to the hope that we profess, because he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hope spurs us on to love and good deeds. Hope gives us encouragement to share with one another. And he says, all the more as you see the day approaching. They were going, look, we don't know when the curtain is going to be pulled closed. Things are, things are kind of getting worse at the time. We don't know what the future is, is going to hold. Let us encourage one another all the more. Again, it ties back as we hold on to the faith or the hope, excuse me, that we profess that he who promised is faithful. It will spur us on to love and good deeds. I, I, one of the conversations that I've had uh, actually with a number of people in our churches, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we made cookies uh, to send out to the schools and to the police and fire department. And we, we put it out a couple times and I'll, let me just pat you guys on the back. Normally we like mention it and the signups are full. Like, you guys are quick to do it. This time we've had to mention it a few times. There was a couple people that came in at first, but it was kind of slower going. Uh, and I don't say that to shame anybody. I say that because as I had some conversations with people, the thing that I heard multiple times was, normally I would be all over this, but I have just felt so low lately. I don't want to do that. Like, and, it, and there's just been, again, this lack of hope and to build those people up, to, to, to praise them for the choices they've made every single time they went, but you know what? That's dumb. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm going to serve these people anyway. And they came back to me and they went, I feel so much more like myself. Like th This is something that God has called me to, whether I feel like doing it or not. And I'm going to live into that. And every single time they came away with hope and going, ah, like th life is so much better when I'm moving forward in love and in compassion and to watch people make that choice to choose hope even in a difficult day and to see life bore out of it, to see them spurred on. And, and then they start going, hey, so is there anything else that we can do? Is there anyone else that needs some help? Like, I, I want to do more now. That, that, that tasted really good. I want some more of that. And to watch people be spurred forward because of it. The fourth thing, hope sets us apart. 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I painted this picture a couple different times, but let me paint it again. So Peter here, writing to the church that was about to go through the worst time in Christian history. A dude named Nero, who was a really bad guy, was coming into power And he thought it was fun to feed Christians to lions and to do all of these horrible things. And so Peter's looking and he's going, look, a super dark time is coming. He's writing this letter to prepare people for the suffering and persecution that's coming. And think about, this is right in the middle of the letter. He says, in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this persecution, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. In the midst of the darkest time in Christian history, People are going to see a hope in you that doesn't make sense, and they're going to demand an answer. How can you hope? How can you continue to love? How can you continue to have faith in this time? I have to understand. I would have quit so long ago. Your hope doesn't make sense to me. Explain it. Be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have because people are going to see a hope that doesn't make sense in your circumstance and they're going to demand an answer. Peter wasn't telling them, you know, it's, the, it's your church attendance that people are going to notice. It, it's, it's how you dress or carry yourself. The fact that you don't cuss, people are really going to want to know what that's about. Your hope in the midst of suffering is going to set you so far apart from everyone else that they are going to demand an answer from you. So get ready. Be prepared. We read this in Mark, where Jesus gives a parable, and he says, look, my church, those who follow me, are to be like a city on a hill. They're to be like a lamp that is set up on a stand and lights the whole room to bring light into darkness. People are going to see the dark situation and they're going to have questions about the light that comes from you in it. Your hope should not make sense to the world. You should seem a little crazy. It's a good thing for the world to go, your life doesn't make sense to me. Awesome, he said that would happen. Let me tell you why. Why why don't you just give up like the rest of us? Why aren't you just in a corner grumbling and complaining like the rest of us? Because I have a hope that you don't know. Let me tell you about it. Colossians 1.27. This is one of my favorite passages, familiar probably to a lot of you. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When people look at you in a dark time, what your faith should be producing is they look at you and they see Jesus Christ. And they see the hope of glory coming from you. And again, it sets you apart. I don't know quite what to do with you. The way that you love in this time is so different from anything I've seen. And here should be the thought process. There has to be something to this God they profess. For them to have this hope, this faith, this generosity in the midst of a time when everyone's cutting back and they keep moving forward in love and in service and in selflessness and they see Christ in us. They see the hope of glory and they have to know why. A a, a constant prayer that I pray is that the lives that we live would stir up jealousy in people that we work with, live with, family, friends, 
that they would see something in us that, that they go, I have to have that. I don't care what it costs. I'm tired of where I am. I need what you have. And it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul says this, kind of illustrating what this looks like. Paul going through an incredibly difficult time. He was imprisoned and all kinds of difficult things. In 2 Corinthians, he says, For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Paul said, look, God has put this incredible hope, this incredible light for the world to see into a jar of clay, into something brittle, into something that honestly, when the pressure comes on, cracks. He said he's done this so that as I crack, as I come to the end of myself and people go, he should be breaking right now, what they see is the light of Christ shining through the cracks. What they see is the light of God in my life where I should be crumpled up in a ball. They see Jesus living through me. And think about what Paul says. Again, persecution, suffering, like most of us will never know. And he's able to say, we have been afflicted in every way, but we have not been crushed we're perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. We are not alone in this. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Do you hear the hope in Paul? There is nothing this world can bring against me that can overcome the God that I serve. He is good. He is faithful. He will always fulfill his promises. And there is nothing in this world that can overcome that. So Paul was able to take the next step. And the next step, because of the hope he had in Christ. And finally, the, the, the fifth one, the fifth effect that hope has on us, and this kind of ties a lot of them together, hope brings purpose. One of my favorite passages, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That word overflow, don't miss this. It has the idea of pouring so much into a vessel that it's splashing out everywhere, that the floor is getting soaked, that it's making a mess. That's the idea of abundance that this word overflow has. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our community needs hope spilled all over it. The people around us should be coming away splashed with hope and going, what was that? What? How do I get some of that? They should see such an abundance of hope, of peace, of joy, of trust, that they're drawn to it. They got a taste splashed on them and they're going, I got to get some more. This is the life of a believer. If we want to boil it down, it's to experience the presence of God, to be filled by his Holy Spirit, and to overflow into the lives of those around us. Family, friends, co-workers, lost, found, whoever they may be, that the hope Jesus has given me, I don't put a lid on and try to keep for myself. Because, oh no, is, is he going to give more tomorrow? Man, I've got, I've got enough and then some. Let it splash out on the ones around me.
They may mock me for it. They may distance themselves from me. They may draw up close and have a whole lot of questions. But may the hope of God be so abundant, be overflowing, and splashing out onto the lives of everyone we come in contact with. That is the hope of the believer. And there will be plenty more tomorrow, so I don't need to worry about saving it up. Because he's the God of hope. Every person we come in contact with needs to see and be affected by the hope that we live with. But this only comes as we pursue hope. Next week, again, we'll talk about some of the practical. What do we do? How do we practically pursue hope? The point of this message is I just want to make it as clear as possible. The scriptures are riddled with calls to choose hope, with the effects of hope, the life-giving transformation that hope brings. Hope is possible, even in the midst of this. And hope does not come from a vaccine, from a political party, from Congress doing this or that, from local governments. From That's not where hope comes from. Our hope comes from the fact that the one who promised is faithful. He can be trusted, so I can hope for today. But let's be honest about something. It doesn't come naturally. Hope must be pursued. Hope slips through our fingers. Someone once said, we are leaky buckets. God fills us today, and by tomorrow, I'm empty already. Hope slips through our fingers. Yesterday's hope doesn't last. We are in constant need for new hope. But we serve the God of hope. One of his promises is to always provide. Again, overflowing with hope because he is faithful. So let's talk now for a little bit. Uh, if you're new here, we, we do not believe that I am the only one that hears from the Lord. I'm not the only one who has thoughts or, or something to say about this. So we want to kind of open it up a little bit. And this is your time to share uh, just about hope. And I'm going to ask two questions to kind of spur some thinking. Uh, and then I'll close with sharing one practical step that we can take this week. So here's the, the two questions. And if either one of them spurs you, we, we can discuss it. Why is it so hard to pursue hope? Why, why do we constantly have to choose it again and again? Why doesn't it come naturally? And why is hope so hard to hold on to? We, every day we need filled with new ones. Thank you that the scriptures say his mercies are new every morning because the ones from yesterday, by the time I wake up, it's like they're gone. Why is hope so hard to hold on to? So what do you think, church? So let me bring this to a close with a challenge, with, with a practical step. I never want to leave anyone without something tangible. Uh, I shared this in the video again, so it's, it's the same challenge from there. Uh, but in case you haven't seen it, I'm going to challenge each and every one of you to pray daily for the Lord to restore hope to his church. And I don't, by his church, I don't just mean this church. His church in Elkins his church in West Virginia, his church around the world, that God would restore hope. One of the passages that always comes to mind when I'm praying that is I pray Psalm 51, I think it's verse 12, uh, where it says, restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation. Because I know that in those days when I'm lacking hope, joy is just drained out. And so I need those prayers. And I know many of you need those prayers. And I know many in our community and beyond 
need hope restored. So I have an alarm that goes off every day at one o'clock and I stop what I'm doing and I pray for God to restore hope and joy to his people. I pray for people by name that I know are, are really struggling right now. I pray for other churches. Look, sometimes, you know, I'm in the middle of something and I got about 30 seconds. Sometimes I can spend a couple minutes, whatever it is, but I make a point to stop and pray that the Lord would restore his hope. I'll be praying at 1 p.m. every day. You're welcome to join me if that doesn't work for you. A time in the morning, a time in the evening. Put a post-it note on your mirror, in your car. Set an alarm on your phone. That's what I do. Something, put something in your way to, rem to remind you, to cause you to stop and go, oh, that's right. Lord, would you restore hope? Because let me tell you, next week we're going to get into some practical steps. But if we miss this one, don't come next week. It's useless. The rest of it doesn't matter. If it doesn't start with seeking his face and asking him, again, to fulfill his promise for hope, that's where the whole thing begins. Everything beyond that is icing on the cake. If we miss this part, seeking his face and asking him to fulfill his promise, nothing else matters. So would you join me this week in praying for God to restore hope? I've already been praying this way for about six weeks, and I'm going to continue until I feel like he's done that enough and he moves me on to pray for something else. Lord, would you restore hope? Let me close by reading a passage out of Ephesians. It's the Apostle Paul praying for the Ephesian church in chapter 1, verse 17. And he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. May God give us a spirit of revelation of, to understand the wisdom and knowledge of God that we might be able to understand and grasp the hope that he's given us, a glorious inheritance for those who follow Jesus. May he move that way this week. Would you pray with me? Father, we need your hope. We need your Holy Spirit to be poured out fresh each day that we would overflow with hope, that that would spur us on to love and good deeds, that that would give us strength and endurance, that as our hope splashes onto those around us, God, that you would begin to birth hope in them, that they would begin to desire what we have and we would freely offer them you. But Lord, it begins with seeking your face. Would you help each and every one of us, young and old, in here today, would you help us to come up with something that causes us to stop and turn to you this week to seek hope? Hope for ourselves, hope for our family, hope for our loved ones, for our neighbors, for our co-workers. And may we freely offer what we've been given, I pray. So move, Lord Jesus, restore your hope, restore to us the joy of our salvation, I pray. That we could be a light during these dark times hope that demands an explanation. Come and have your way in us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.